Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of the TC Live Podcast on the Tennis Podcast Network. I'm your host, Mitch Michaels. We have a special show for you today. Joined by guest Tommy Paul. I got a chance to catch up with the American, 22 years old, number 57 in the world. And before the pandemic shut down the tennis season, he was ranked 57th and he was coming off of his best tennis of his career. The third round run at the Australian Open beating Grigor Dimitrov having a first-ever top-10 win for him, defeating Zverev in Acapulco. Tommy was a great guest. We talk about his journey from turning pro at a young age to getting into the top 60, what it was like to make that run with the crowd behind him in Australia, how he's handling his quarantine and living with Riley Opelka, some funny stories there, what it was like to get back onto the court at the UTR event, some other news and notes, including his love for hoops, the 76ers in particular. Tommy Paul was great. He's got some opinions on, on the game itself, too. Tommy Paul on the TC Live podcast. Here it is. Let's go. All right, now we are joined by our guest this week. Pleased to be joined by someone who's sitting during this extended break on the ATP Tour to career high ranking of number 57. That's sixth best among Americans. Spending his childhood in North Carolina by way of New Jersey's New Jersey. He's already a four-year vet at the pro level, a fan and tour favorite alike. The TC Live Podcast welcomes the show, Tommy Paul. Tommy, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Well, it is a weird time, probably the strangest any of us can imagine. And uh, I want to start with this. You actually were able to get back onto the court, the UTR Pro Series uh, Pro event that took place in West Palm Beach. You currently reside in Florida with your roommate, Riley Opelka, there. And uh, it was the first time we've had any sort of uh, tennis sporting event in this country. And I know the results didn't quite go the way you liked, but, Tommy, what did it feel like to get back onto the court, actually play some tennis, and then also some competitive matchups? Uh, it, it was great. It was great for me uh, just because, I mean, I was so excited to get live sport back on television, honestly. I mean, for me, I'm a huge, huge basketball fan, so not having the playoffs was big, big miss for me. And I mean, it, it sucks not being able to turn on TV and watch something live. Um, so I kind of like I did it for that, and uh, I ended up getting a lot more, a lot more out of it. Um, I didn't like I wasn't prepared for the tournament at all. I mean, I, I really been sitting on my ass for you know, the first three weeks of quarantine or more. But it, it really, it really uh, helped me get going though, because. I mean, I, I was like playing those tournaments and I mean playing those matches. And when I was done, I was like, all right, like these guys are saucing me. I was probably trying to get back on the practice court and in the gym. So since then, I definitely really uh, turned on the like the fitness. Really, I, I haven't really been on the court too much. It's been raining a ton yeah. since then down here. Yeah, and I was wondering too. I mean, your last you, you had the match against Isner and Acapulco. You played in the Davis Cup tie against Istaman uh, over two months ago. And not counting injuries, what's like the longest? What's the longest you've gone in your you know tennis career that you haven't played a competitive match? Um, I'm not even going to put this in the top five yet. Honestly, I, I've I've had a lot of breaks in my in my okay. career. 
uh, unfortunately, a lot of them, a lot of them from injury. But then there were some where uh, just times where I didn't want to, <laughs> didn't really want to play anymore. Um, but luckily, those were were my first couple of years on tour, and uh, I've learned a lot and matured a bunch since then. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's definitely it's 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 a challenge for everybody, and I don't know, I don't know how everybody's handling it. Obviously, like the first few months, like everyone was really active on social media and everything, but yeah. I feel like it's kind of died down. Like everyone's really, uh, like really starting to lose it now. <laughs> yeah. We're like two, but two plus months in it's, it's dire straits for everybody and mentioning living yeah, with, exactly. and mentioning living with Opelka and having the weather problems. You said it was raining. What types of, uh, you know, activities, ways to kind of stay active, uh, are you, you know, using to get better at your game? And, and, and with that, is there anything virtually that you can improve in the tennis world while kind of working on your career while staying inside? I mean, for me, like, I really like, I put myself up there as like, I feel like I'm probably one of the most active people. Like, I mean, I don't, everyone I know, I, I'm like top five most active people. And, and most of my close friends are like right up there with me. Like we're nonstop doing stuff. I mean, whether it's practice to the gym to like straight to the basketball court to going to Miami to like, we're just like nonstop on the move. And, and like the quarantine beginning of it was kind of, I mean, that, that really messed with us especially when they closed the tennis courts and the basketball courts in our community. So we couldn't really, like, even, even if we wanted to just go shoot, we couldn't, they took the rims down or if we wanted to go on the court, we couldn't. So, I mean, that, that was, uh, that was frustrating, but I don't know. Like we, we're staying pretty active now. They've opened a ton of stuff up. Um, honestly, like big foe is coming down here. I think he, he got down here today. Uh, we're planning on seeing him a bunch and another one of our really good friends, Nathan Conless, he's coming tomorrow. So we're just kind of sticking around friends and uh, relying on each other to keep each other company, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, you know, that circle of friends you had, it's kind of fortunate that, you know, like a lot of like a lot of young players, especially in the tennis world, you come up with a group of guys and and not all of them are going to make it or get to the pro level. I, I think you'd probably agree that you guys have been pretty fortunate that a lot of you guys have made it and have had success at a young age. Yeah, and, and I really, like, I honestly think there's, there's some that, like, like, uh, like Kozlov, who, who at, at one point you could have said he almost made it, and then he, he, he kind of uh, has been struggling a little bit. But, like, I've been practicing with him. I mean, not right now because he's still hurting a little bit, but uh, – before he got hurt, I was practicing with him. He's practicing unreal. Like Mo, another guy who, like, I, I just like, I don't see any way that, uh, like, Mo Mo's not gonna like just keep improving his whole career, you know. Right. And then like, there's so many people, there's so many people like that that like, I don't know. We can have we can have a ton of a ton of Americans playing high level tennis. Yeah, and a rising tide lifts all boats. I think your game in particular, along with some of the other other guys that you mentioned, have gotten better as a result of, you know, having to get better to keep up with everybody. Oh, definitely, definitely. Can't be can't be looking uh looking at all my friends from that far behind them, you know. No, no. Uh even though you guys are still young, uh, let's uh I do, I do want to take a minute, though. 2020, and this is frustrating for everybody, but the frustration level for you uh, has to be a little higher, I would say, because undoubtedly, I mean, everybody in the tennis world knows that this was your best year so far. The first couple months you had, it really came together. Adelaide, or Adelaide you, you get to the semifinals, the Australian Open run to the third round, and then beating Zverev and Acapulco. Having to hit the pause button, that had to be a little difficult to come to terms with. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it sucks. It sucks for sure. I mean, the, the only thing when you're playing well, the only thing you want to do is keep playing. Like, you want to you want to keep making money. You want to keep winning matches. But obviously, like, no one in the world is able to do that. I, I don't know. Like, for me, it, it's more like I didn't really think about it. Like, wow, like, I'm getting screwed over right now. It's like there's so many people that got it way worse. Like, I, I can't be complaining about, like, oh, I've, I've been having – this is the best year of my career so far, and, like, now I can't play. There's so many people that have it way worse. Yeah. I don't know. I just try and think about it like that. For sure. Uh, obviously, we're putting it into perspective. Uh, your career, you, you turned pro at, at 18 in 2015, the RG Junior champion over Taylor Fritz and losing to him in the U.S. Open Junior Finals. So a lot of high-level matchups early talking to Tommy Paul here on the TC Live podcast. Uh, I do want to talk about something that your coach Brad Stein said. I thought it was very interesting. Uh, he did say that, you know, your game is there. It was about getting over the hump and being emotionally prepared and making sacrifices. But, you know, to have those comments from a coach who's been around a guy like Jim Courier who won, who got to number one, won multiple majors, for him to say those things and, and really back up your play, was that was that something that did help you kind of get to the next level of treating tennis professionally and, and making the sacrifices on and off the court? Um. I think it definitely, definitely helps when when you're playing matches and say say you're not playing your best tennis and and like you have a coach that knows what your level is like, knows what you can play like, and you look over to them and it's just like you can see it in them that they 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 know that like you can like change the match or you can like change the way you're playing or they know your high level. Like it, it just like I don't know. It, it makes you so much more confident when you're on the court. You don't have to worry about anything. Like you just have to worry about yourself and and like. 99% of the time when I miss a ball, like, I know exactly, like, mm-hmm. what Brad would say after I miss it. So, like, I'm, I'm, I'm thankful that he's there for that 1% because that 1%, like, hopefully is going to be uh, a big difference. But I, I really, like, me and, me and Brad have really clicked since we started working together. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at newbalance.com. Yeah, and the results have been there. Uh, the sacrifices that a lot of people are talking about and we've seen the results in appear to be off the court, getting into better shape, taking your training, taking your, you know, your diet up to that next level. What's that process been yeah, like? Yeah, kind of kind of just, uh, yeah, it, it's kind of just been me, like, kind of being more dependent on myself and not depending on anybody else. Like, I, I feel like I'm kind of still doing the same, the same stuff I used to is just mm-hmm. when, when I lived in Orlando or I was training at USPA, like it was like people making me do it. And when I, like, since I left, uh, since I left USPA and I've been down, down South Florida, it's really been like, I'm pushing myself. And like every day that I want to do something, like I text everybody to make it happen. And it's just, I don't know. It makes, it kind of just makes me work harder. You know, like I don't want to be like paying all these people. I don't want to be, uh, paying all these people to come to tournaments with me or paying all these people to, to work with me and then lose first round. Like that's not going to work, you know? Right. No, I, I completely understand that. Um, it, it seems like you're very self-motivated and, and you know, want to be and, and have gotten better at being independent and pushing yourself. How did that, you know, mindset, that mentality get you through, 
you know, two, 2018, for example, when the knee and the elbow were acting up, the rankings dropped down. Uh, how did you stay yeah. focused and committed to the game when you were at your low point? Oh, uh, yeah, that, that was a big low point. Um, honestly, like, I, I, I've told other people this many times. Like, I feel like I was kind of super lucky at that time. I had uh, good people come to my life at the right time and, like, kind of just changed my perspective on things. Like one of my best friends now came into my life that year, and and like when I was really struggling, I didn't want to, I didn't want to play anymore. I didn't want to like go through all the, go through all the stuff of recovering and coming back when I knew I wasn't even playing well. And then I don't know, just having him around, having my perspective changed on everything, it really helped. Yeah. Well, and digging yourself out of that hole, having to do it, having that support system around has been has been huge for your career and many others. I think it's a lesson to show, especially when you have a lot of tennis left. Uh, you know, speaking of kind of lower points, last year you make it through the Rogers Cup qualifying. You win a match, beat Schnur there, and kind of start to, you know, look up and, and really improve your rankings. Uh, controversial moment, you didn't get the wild card at the U.S. Open, and uh, I, I know that must have been tough, but I'm looking at it like somebody else who's been in quarantine. I know you're, you said you're a Hoops fan. You've probably watched the Last Dance documentary. Were you able to get motivation out of it, like Michael, like in that Michael Jordan mindset, like, okay, they didn't give me a wild card at the U.S. Open, I'm going to show them that I'm not going to need a wild card for these events in the future. Yeah, I mean, it, honestly, it wasn't even like I'm going to show them that I'm going to do it. It was more like I got to show myself, you know. Like I've been, I've been like playing qualities of all these tournaments for four years since I turned pro. Never been like directed sentence into any of these tournaments. So like, I don't know. Like I, I don't, I don't see why it needs to take me five years to do it. And then obviously, I was, I was very upset um, at the U.S. Open. More, more even because of my result. I mean, I, I thought I had a tough, tough first round qualities with Yannick Hansman. He's a great player. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a, actually a really good match, and then I played the, the Spanish kid. I forgot his name, but I don't, I don't feel like I was very happy with how I played that match at all. And I kind of got soft mm-hmm. at my home slam uh, after I felt like I was kind of picking up my level. So I was definitely down, but I, I, I like. I was super, super motivated, like really motivated. I had no coach at the time. I was, uh, like I hadn't even started working with Brad Stein yet. I was kind of still in the process of working things out with him. So I was just traveling with one of my friends who had just graduated from Virginia at the time. So he was just traveling around with me, like helping me out. And I had my, my trainer too. And that was kind of the squad that we just, uh, we started going to challengers and I ended up doing really well after the US Open. And then Brad started coming with me, and uh, then this year happened. I mean, it's one way to turn it into a positive. I just had to sneak in the last dance because I know you've watched it, and I don't know any pro athlete that's not motivated by you know Jordan's mentality and just trying to, to get to the next level. Uh, you know, Speaking of which, Tommy Paul here on the TC Live podcast, uh, I got to read a quote that you said. I think it was August 7, 2019, after uh, the Rogers Cup, after getting through qualifiers and playing team who made the finals in the French Open and losing in four sets, had a tight third set tiebreaker in there. You said, you know, I know I can play with anybody. And that, and that bravado and confidence, I don't want to say it's missing, but there aren't, there aren't as many players in tennis that, at least on the lower side, that are outspoken. Like, I know my level's there. But where, where does that come from with you, that, that self-belief, that bravado, that even if it is Dominic team, one of the best players on clay on tour, that I can play with him? I don't know. Like I, I always just kind of felt comfortable on 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 clay, and then also like 
I, don't know, I feel like a lot of people are, are kind of scared to say that. I know so many people that feel that way, that feel like they can play with anybody that might not say it uh, just because, I don't know, like they might come off cocky or whatever. Like, and that's not what I'm trying to do at all. I just like, I really feel that way. And it's like, they need to hear me say it just so they can think about it during the matches. And I mean, that's great. But uh, I don't know. Like I, I know all the Americans really feel the same way about, about it playing other people. They all think they can be anybody. And, and I know that all, all of them can be anybody too. Yeah. Well, I mean, and it's just, it was refreshing to hear somebody say it and, you know, being right there and, and playing a tight match with one, with one of the best. And that clay court, just a little side note, that clay court experience and confidence, how much of that do you attribute to, you know, the unconventional way you grew up playing the game, you know, with your stepfather's complex on the great, on the hard, true green clay uh, growing up in North Carolina? Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think that uh, it makes a difference just because growing up, I mean, I, I like many people know, I mean, I played the place that we trained at only had, clay courts and I don't even know if there were any hard courts in the in like our part of town so I don't know like even when I was playing hardcore tournaments I was tra- I was playing on clay like leading up to the tournament and I, I do think that makes a difference I mean there's no secret why the uh, South Americans in Europe and Europeans are uh, doing better on clay because that's like a hard court for us like they they grow up on it we grow up on hard usually so I mean, that's just the way it is. Well, I mean, we love to see another American kind of make a run at a clay court, uh, at a major, at, at a premier title on clay. Uh, we saw Taylor Fritz play pretty well there last year. Hopefully you and some of the other guys can come yeah. through. Uh, I do want to talk about that Australian Open run because it's kind of when I think the casual fans were introduced to you. The you know you, the win over Leo Mayer in the first round, which he's not an easy opponent to play. I think he's kind of underrated in that regard. But then going right to the Dimitrov match, the, uh, the epic that that was, you win the first two sets, lose a tough fourth set tie break. In the fifth set, you're down a break. He's serving pretty well. You know, it, it's 30-love. The, the, your body's kind of having some issues in a long match. You're playing the fittest yeah, guy. The the, yeah, you're playing one of the fittest guys on tour. And, and I think it's safe to say a lot of people didn't, didn't know or didn't think that you had it in you, and yet there it was. What was it that that enabled you to dig deep and beat Dimitrov, break back at 4-5, and then win that super tie break? Uh, I, I don't know. I, I remember thinking at 5-4 at when we were changing sides, it was out there for the match, like, all right, like, go for, go for the first two points. Like, let's get the first two points. If you don't, if you don't get the, the first two points, you're really in trouble. And then I go down 30 love, and I'm just like, all right, if I get a look, though, like, I'm, I'm going to play big because I can't afford to – for him to like win a long point at 30 love because if he wins a long point at 30 love like it's over mm-hmm. so i kind of just uh went went big when i saw one um one ball that i knew i could and then like i don't know i just i think the pressure started building up a little bit for him in that game and then also i, I played a played a great game just swinging swinging hard and uh confidently and i don't know it was it was kind of just like I, I at one point in that game, I remember thinking like, man, like I don't want to, like I don't want to leave yet. Like, like yeah. I've been down here for three weeks, I still don't want to leave. Like I don't, if I lose these two points, like I'm going home, but I don't want to. Yeah, it's interesting you say that. It, it, it a lot of players talk about in all sports playing free. The, there's not a lot to lose when you're an underdog mentality. You're playing a guy in Dimitrov that's in great shape, a high-level player. You're He's serving for the match at that moment. It's just It, it sounded to me like you were saying, all right, I'm just going to go for it. I'm going to take my shots. I'm a good tennis player. 
I'm not going to go out timid. Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't. I definitely didn't want to miss any stupid balls, but like I wasn't. Like I was still playing smart, just going going much bigger, and and it worked out in those in those couple points. I mean, I think in the uh, in the breaker, I got a a couple uh, let cords or something that that really helped me out and loosened me up a little bit too. You mentioned the crowd in your post match interview and in your press conference how the Australian crowd crowd pushed you through it especially in a new in a new terrain where you're not even used to playing five set matches back to back uh best of five and and you strike Mm -hmm. me as somebody that really enjoys the crowd the the atmosphere the the circumstances of of a loud and rowdy tennis crowd man i'm telling you there's like there's nothing i like more it's like why why i play now like after that match, it's, it's like crazy. It's hard not to be motivated to get back into the gym to like play another match like that. You know, like all yeah. you want to do is play another match like that. And it is another thing that I think is rare in a tennis player. You, you hear a lot of tennis players and, and you see that they're a little agitated when there's some fans making noise, when people are moving a little bit, just a slight bit. But you seem to embrace that. That's, but that that's stupid. Like, <laughs> I, I don't like I, I it bugs me. A little bit, like I don't show it when I'm on court, but it bugs me. Like when when I'm about to serve or something, and there's somebody yeah. standing, and and you like, you, are you serious? Like you can't return because somebody's standing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You think about other sports, like you like basketball, for example. How loud they are <laughs> during free yeah. throws. It's a joke. It's a joke. Like it just makes us look so soft. The, uh, you know, becoming a professional, moving on, and, and after the Australian Open run, Delray, you, you play your buddy TFO as a competitive match. He gets the better of you. Then you go to Acapulco, and you get that win over Zverev, your first top 10 win of your career. Uh, I, I know there was that belief factor. You believe you can play with anybody, but you handled him in straight sets. So uh, it, it, do you think in your mind that was the most complete match you played, just very clean, very efficient? Because, and honestly, he wasn't really in mo- most of it. Yeah, see that's the thing. Like I've had I've had some people ask me that question because a lot of people like I think on TV it, it kind of looked just like a clean match and mm-hmm. whatever. But like through the match, I really like I wasn't feeling like super in control of everything. I mean, I knew that like once I got him on the run, like I was I was ahead in the points and that type of stuff. But I don't know. I, I wasn't I wasn't feeling it was like one of my best days or anything. I feel like I played well. I mean, I just put pressure on on the big points and. I saw that he was struggling with his serve, so started trying to attack his second serve when he did make it so that he had a little bit more pressure. And then, like, in the second set, on his break point, he's doing a double, and I really think it's just because, I mean, I don't know. He, he doubles a lot, but I feel like it was because I put that pressure on him. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Yeah, well, I, and I think yeah, I think there's a lot to that. And, and with your run at Acapulco, I mean, playing Isner in the next round, losing in three, a very respectable result. And I know I, I do want to ask this question because your serves improved about 135 or so, 136 that we've seen. What's it like trying to return, return that guy's serve? Uh, it's not. It's not like <laughs> the most fun. It's not, it's not fun. We'll say that. 
I, yeah, I, I, I watched. If, I was, yeah. if it was, uh, if it was, is there that I was down five four two thirty love in the third? I don't think I'd be breaking. They're <laughs> <laughs> realists. I think I, I think I realize why most people relate to you is that you, you're thinking what a lot of everybody else is thinking in that moment. I mean, uh, it, it's seriously, it's seriously crazy. Like the angles that that he can get on it, and and the clutch, the clutch scene that he has on his serve is crazy too. Yeah, and that's where uh, I think a lot of people don't give him that credit is that second serve, that break point down, you know, when it's not so much about how fast you can hit it, it's placement, it's coming up yeah. big. and Yeah. Well, the Acapulco run was on. Yeah, it is tough. It is tough for sure. Well, I, I do want to change topics here. Tommy Paul on the TC Live podcast. This has been a great discussion. A bunch of the buzzwords in the uh, tennis world right now has to do with the player relief fund and supporting the uh, the lower ranked players on tour. And I want to ask you in particular because you're kind of an interesting case study in this. You've you've seen a lot of being a lower ranked player, but you've broken into the top sixty. You've you've made your mark. What do you think about if the players on the top end, if there's an obligation to maybe support the lower ranked players in, in the tour? Because I know there's been some debate even amongst the top players. So yeah, I mean I. Definitely, like, I mean, I'm an interesting person to ask just because, like, I was just there and uh, now I'd be the guy who'd be giving the money up instead of receiving. And also, like, I have a lot of, like, really close friends that would be receiving the care package as well, or the release package as well. So, I don't know, like, for me, like, I, I haven't really, I've been trying to stay out of it as much as I can and, like, I don't know, Riley's pretty involved in it, and I hear a lot about it, a lot about it around the house. But I don't know, like, I think it's crazy to ask for a sport to ask players right. to pay their players. Like, I've, you've never seen that in any sport, I don't think. Like, I, maybe you have, but I've never seen the NBA, them be like, yo, like, LeBron, like, yeah. <laughs> help out, help out this guy. No? Yeah, like, so- help somebody out in the so you're you're essentially saying that maybe it's more the owner should be on the organizations, whether that's the tennis organizations or the or the countries that are supporting the tennis organizations. Well, I, I don't I don't think that they're um, I don't think that asking asking players to give give money to people ranked lower is is crazy. I mean, like I, I think if players want to do it, that's fine. But yeah. to make it an obligation, I right. think is, is is a little like out there. I don't know. That's just, that's just like my take on it. Yeah. And it's just, tennis is such an interesting sport because if you're in the top 50, 60 in the world at any other sport, you're making such a better living. And I'm not even getting into basketball or some of the leagues that are more elite, but even like golf and even hockey and football, whatever it may be, it's just, and, and you've seen it as someone that was lower end. It's tougher to make a living when you're not one of the absolute best in this sport. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. I mean, it's, I mean, it's so important um, where you do well too. I mean, the, the certain tournaments right. have crazy high prize money. Certain tournaments, like you have to make a certain round, and then the double the prize money doubles. It's, I don't know, it's, it's weird, but like, I mean, it's the way it is. So, I mean, we'll, we'll try and work the system as much as we can. Absolutely. Uh, a couple more questions here with Tommy Paul on the TC Live podcast. Fly, fly, through, fly through some quick ones here. Uh, when, assuming we get to a point when tennis does resume, whether that's months from now or beyond, how much uh, of your schedule are you going to just methodically plan out? Are you going to be more on the cautious side, or do you want to play as many events as possible? Um, 
I don't know. I think that and it kind of depends on a lot of things, mm-hmm. you know. It depends yeah. on if we get like some sort of uh, like shot that we could get that would help us a ton, or mm-hmm. if if we're just like hopping back into it, like like it is now, and it's six months down the road. I, I don't know. Like it, it depends on a lot. Like I'm definitely not gonna come out first tournament if it's if it's still still like this. But I don't know. I guess we'll see. What's the living situation been like, you and Riley Opelka? Are you guys tired of each other yet, or is it just, you know, a friendship that's still riding high? I mean, we're, we're, we're like, we're more like brothers, so, like, we fight like brothers at the same time, but uh, we, we definitely get into it, but a lot of backgammon, a lot of basketball, and every time we do something like that, we get in a little argument. But other than that, it's been pretty, been pretty smooth. It's been good because I've been able to practice with him, obviously. That's good. I mean, I did remember you mentioned uh, TFO coming into town like you're just ready for somebody else, but it sounds like you're, you guys are still doing well. Uh, where do you put Oh, your, no, yeah, we're, we're <laughs> Where do you put your game, your hoop game, against other guys on tour? You know, a lot of people on the tennis tour on the men's side are, are loud talkers about how good they are at basketball, whether it's Kyrgios or, you know, Monfils or Isner. Or, I mean, where do you put your game? Um, I don't know. I, I, Nick? good Nick's probably the best Nick's probably the best Riley's like up there but like he doesn't play that much he's kind of just up there because he shoots well and he's seven feet like he doesn't have like moves or anything and he doesn't dribble unreal he's just like he's hard not to put him up there and then I, I would put myself right up there I mean okay. I, don't, I haven't played with Sanasi too much and, and Moe's pretty good but I don't know okay I put myself third. I'm gonna put myself three. It's like two debates, right? Like one on one game versus if you're if you're getting your squads, you know, three on three or five on five. Who yeah, no. Way? no. If we're getting my squads, if we're getting my squads, and putting myself number two. Okay, okay. No, I love it. More confidence. I love it. It's uh, it's great. Yeah. Um, and the last thing I wanted to wrap with, um, you still identify correct as a Philly sports fan? I am a Philly sports fan. I'm a Tar Heel fan for basketball. Okay. Um, I guess I'll, I'll support him in football. I just grew up in North Carolina, so that was always my squad. But growing up, like my family always cheered for Philly because they, they're originally from there. And I don't know, I just kind of hopped on with my fam. Okay, so were you happy with the Eagles draft? Did you did you like the moves that day? Because every Philly fan I know is very passionate one way or the other. I liked it. I mean, I, I did like it. I, I thought it was a little weird that they got hurt. Second pick, kind of, kind of strange. I don't know what they're planning on doing there. If they're gonna like run a two QB offense, <laughs> but uh, I, I like their, I like their receiver out of TCU. He's smooth. Um, I mean, we needed a receiver, and now, now we'll have Deshaun Jackson back next year too with him, Alshon Jeffrey. Okay. I don't know. I think we're, I think we're gonna be pretty good. Yeah, well, I mean, there's that there's that level of confidence and passion, and then there's an Eagles fan level, and uh, you know, I, I know yeah. I know what it's like for sure. Uh, and then, of course, you know, you got the Sixers. I know you're a basketball guy, and if the playoffs do come back, I know that there's going to be that oh. level of optimism that they could go on a run with Simmons and Embiid healthy. They definitely could, and I think everyone does it. Like no one talks about it, but Tobias Harris is like the he's the factor. If he plays good, they're going to go deep if he doesn't like if he's just a role player throughout the time like not gonna do it it's all about him wow there see that's that that's that dynamite analysis breaking it down to that third fourth option um i just hope i, I know I'm, I'm like you, you. because like and he's, and he's gonna show up ben simmons is like 
I don't know. Like he, he might have some some games where he doesn't put up numbers, oh, but like he'll uh, he'll throw some assists for sure. He'll dish some assists and he'll get bored. So I mean, it'll help. And that's that, Tobias. He yeah. needs to shoot well. That's that Sixers fan that that I've heard before. It's Embiid's great, one of the best. And Simmons, uh, there's that little bit of doubt with him. Like we know the game. I hate there, Simmons. <laughs> I, mean, I don't. Hate, I don't hate Simmons. I just like. I mean, I, I don't know. Frustrating. Like, I, like I, I think probably, would be the like, word. I think I might shoot better than him. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's great. Well, Hey, Tommy, Paul, seriously, appreciate you coming on, uh, everybody out there. I don't know who I'm preaching to. Cause I feel like most of everybody listening already does follow him on social media, but if you don't follow him on Twitter and Instagram, and, uh, we hope to see you out on the court, uh, sometime soon in one of Me these too. UTR events. Uh, but if not, uh, in either way, happy early birthday. Thank you, thank you. Yeah. yeah, coming up, you only get to turn Appreciate you only that. get to turn twenty three once, so definitely savor it. But uh, thanks for coming on the uh, TC. I don't know. Podcast. Hey, I don't know. If you notice this? I don't know if you notice this. I I'm turning twenty three. My Jordan year on the last day of Jordan's documentary too. That's got to be special, right? Wow. I, yeah, and a North Carolina fan to boot. You're gonna celebrate twenty three. Watch the last dance. Watch the flu game and and game six. Wow, that's pretty. That's pretty unique. This, uh, if we do resume tennis and sports, I think this could be uh, some good karma here somewhere. Oh yeah, no, that's. That, I mean, that, I thought that was pretty funny. Very, very funny. Tommy Paul, <laughs> number fifty-seven in the world, American tennis player. Thanks again for coming on the TC Live podcast. And remember that uh, you can listen to all episodes of the TC Live podcast on the Tennis Podcast Network just by downloading it. Tommy Paul, thanks again. Thank you. Thanks for having me.